0: Morning everybody, can I add my welcome to James's, it's a joy to have you with us here at Riverside this morning, Particularly welcome if this is your first time, if you relatively recently have started coming along, we hope that you really feel at home. Uh, amongst us, just by way of uh, that, in terms of introduction, uh, James may mention it later on. But tomorrow night we've got something called Belonging to Riverside, uh, which uh, on the welcome point as you head out, you'll see these kind of sheets. Uh, if you haven't seen one already, and basically this is for people who are uh, who you've been coming along to Riverside for a little while and you're wanting to know what it means to be a part of Riverside, to really kind of be part of the family, as it were. Uh, to, as it were, you want to say that you know Riverside is your church, uh, and you want to commit to that and all that 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 looks like so tomorrow night is an opportunity at Riverside House to hear a little bit from us and meet a few people uh, to understand a little bit of what Riverside is about so that uh, we can then see what it means to be a part of Riverside so please pick up one of these and let us know please if you would like to come promises to be a great evening Wonderful, well if you are here for the first time today, if we can have the slide up please Malcolm We are in the middle of a series, we're going to skip through the reading, can we go straight to the slides because we'll read it as we go through Uh, We are in the middle of a series on the book of Ruth Uh, Ruth in the Old Testament uh, and it is a cracking story and this week is week 2 of 4 It is a brilliant story and I don't know if you've ever been to a fairground where they have those mirrors that are sort of you know, the wobbly mirrors and the slightly ones when you look at them and if you're fat you end up being thin, if you're thin you end up being fat and if you've got sort of round face you end up with a thin face and googly eyes and all those sort of things. Well in many respects the book of Ruth is a bit like that in that we look at the book of the story of Ruth and although it's not an exact representation of our lives, we do see enough in it to really understand a little bit more about our lives. In a sense, it is a mirror to us. We hear Ruth's story and we see something of our story. It's a mirror. But not only is it a mirror, it is also a window for us. Because as we look at the story of Ruth we also see through that and see something of God. See, we look through the window as it were and see what God's doing in his big picture, in his big story. So we see ourselves and we see God. And if you were here last week, it's worth just reminding ourselves about the story before we get to chapter two. Because for God's people, the Israelites, things are in a mess. It's the time of the judges, which was a really dark time in the nation of Israel. They'd rebelled against God. They'd done their own things and it caused all sorts of problems, one of which was they were in famine. They had no food. And so one guy, Elimelech, took his family, his wife and his two sons to a neighboring country, Moab, because they thought it would be safer there. They went looking for food but what ended up happening was real disaster for them they knew that they shouldn't go there they'd been warned against moab a desperate people doing horrible things and yet they sought what they sought what they thought was sought what they thought sought what they thought was security And actually it led to great danger. And it reminded us, for some of us, we sometimes make decisions on what we think is an interesting, wise decision. We might choose a job over here because it seems to be the sensible one, but we forget to think about the repercussions of what that effect might have on our faith or on our family and so on. And today we get what happens is when they got there Elimelech dies the two sons die and then we've got Naomi left with two daughters in law from Moab and so she comes home to Bethlehem and Ruth one of her daughters in law turns comes with her and we'll see three things from this chapter 2 Firstly we'll be reminded that God's at work in your life right now He is We'll also be reminded that sometimes God chooses to work through people who have a servant-hearted attitude. And then thirdly, we'll see that that service of God has massive effects way, way beyond what we can see in our own lives. So let's jump into this story and let's look at verse one to three, we're gonna read the passage as we go through. So you remember the coming back And they're wondering, they have no food, they have no one to provide for them. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man who's standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I favor, find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. So they have no food. In that culture, they had no man related to them, no husband, and so therefore they had nothing. And so Ruth, being a kind of altogether woman, thought, well, I've just gotta go and get some food. So she went looking in a field. And I love the next four words. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. There's a guy on the scene. Wolf whistles, maybe. But we see that this man, look at verse one, he's a man of standing. He's a good guy. And those words, as it turned out, are important for us to remember. Very few words have so much meaning laden on them. Because you imagine being in Naomi's situation or in Ruth's situation. Naomi has been taken to another country. She lost her husband and her two sons. She has nothing. So she returns home with a daughter-in-law who's not one of her people with nothing. And they're wondering how on earth are we gonna survive? How on earth are we gonna be provided for? Desperate. And up till now it seems that God is kind of silent in all of this. We've not heard him say anything. And then so Ruth decides to go looking for food in a farmer's field and then as it turned out that field was belonging to Boaz who as it turned out was from the clan of Elimelech. And I think that's worth remembering for us. Look out for the as it turned out moments in your life. Those coincidences Those moments where we think, oh, that's lucky. (laughs) As it turned out, it was Boaz's field. And this reminds us of something really important in this book of Ruth. God is at work. He is. And in your life, if you are in the situation that is difficult to see what on earth God is doing, Where on earth he's acting in your life? With whether it is through desperate circumstances or loneliness or isolation or ill health or all sorts of burdens that are upon you and you think what on earth is happening? The story of Ruth reminds us God is at work. You know the Kit Kat adverts where they break the Kit Kat. You know, take a break, have a Kit Kat. God is not a Kit Kat God. He's not there looking at your life and think right brilliant I'll let them get on for a while I'll have a cup of tea and dunk my Kit Kat in my tea. God is at work in your life right now and of course Ruth doesn't know that. She just happens to go and work in a field that so happens to be Boaz's field. She doesn't know what God's doing but we as we can read the story we begin to see. Can I encourage you there may be things that you need to just remind yourself that even though you can't see how on earth God is at work, he hasn't let you go. He does hold you in his hands. He is at work. But do you notice something? God is at work through Ruth's actions. She did something. She went and got into the field. My father-in-law's a farmer in Lincolnshire, so he grows cabbages and cauliflowers and broccoli and all that sort of stuff and the equivalent basically is the tractor goes round the field and the men kind of cut the things and all that sort of stuff, what was basically happening is that the cabbages that are at the end of the field, Ruth was going in and picking them up, which you can speak to my father-in-law is the bane of farmers' existence because they're stealing in effect, but basically that's what Ruth does. Takes. She has to act and the encouragement here is yes God is at work but sometimes he chooses to work as we act. God moves with those who move. I remember when I was a younger Christian, uh, I'd left university and I was in kind of one of my first jobs uh, and this church I was in, I'd moved to London, I was in a church uh, and, and basically this church wasn't doing something that I thought the church should be doing. So I, with my young faith, went to the church leader and said, we should be doing this, we should be doing this, and the church leader, brilliantly, with his real grace, said to me, okay, go for it. <laughs> and I was "Oh no, no, I didn't mean that, you should be doing it, you know, it was, no, no, go for it. And it just reminded me, yes, God is at work in our lives and sometimes he chooses to work as we choose to work, as we act. So can I encourage you, what is it in your life that you sense God might be doing or you long for God to do? Are there things that maybe you can do that maybe God will choose to work through? We don't just pray for a blessing, maybe sometimes we have to be that blessing. So God's at work. But then we get these beautiful words in verse four. Just then, Boaz arrived. It's that moment, you remember Pride and Prejudice? Where Colin Firth comes out of the lake, all (laughs) rippling. For some women in here, this is that moment. Or, or for guys of a certain age, you remember the moment in Dr. No when Ursula Andress comes out on the, for the beach? Uh, I was toying with the idea whether I should put the images on the screen, but we might lose the rest of the service. <laughs> just then, Boaz arrives. Swoon. He's here, the knight in shining armor. Maybe, just maybe, things are looking And not only is it good that Boaz arrives, but we see something in these early chapters about who this Boaz is. Look at how he greets his people. The Lord be with you. He's a good guy. He's not a slave driver. He's a good man. But not only that, verse five, he's caring. Who does that young woman belong to? And they they tell her. They tell him, sorry. And then we see some amazing words. Boab calls Ruth and says, don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. So not only is a godly man, but actually he's willing to take this random foreigner under his wing. Come and be one of my employees. Come and work with my people. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along with the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. So not only does he provide, he's actually protecting. And not only that, and whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Do you see that? This man, Boaz, is way better than Colin Firth. Not that I know Colin Firth. Providing, protecting, ensuring that this woman that he doesn't yet know is looked after in every way. Not only that, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said, "Come over here. come have some bread. Dip it in the wine vinegar. Not only providing, not only protecting, not only ensuring that she has drink, come and eat with me." This Boaz is not just a random farmer, is he? It's not just romantic interest in the story. He's a rescuer, dare I say it, he's a savior. And it reminds us of this reality. Sometimes God's servants demonstrate something of God's care. When we choose to serve people, we're not just blessing them, we are actually showing something of God's care and blessing. A few years ago, I, I was involved in a leadership kind of program thing, where church leaders came and um, you know you kind of had some input over the week, like a conference really. And the organisers of this conference basically viewed it as being important that they wanted to bless the people that were coming. So it wasn't just a conference, you know, get input, but actually to make them feel kind of you know all warm and fuzzy, as it were. And so what they did was, they'd asked before the conference had happened, they'd phoned people that knew these people, either husband or wife or close friend, whatever it is, about their favourite chocolate. And what they would then do is they'd provide the favourite chocolate when they arrived at the conference, you get your chocolate bar. Now there was one guy that the organisers didn't know but one guy was really sceptical about coming on this conference because it was going to do deep heart stuff, It was, you know, kind of a retreat type thing and he really didn't want to come and he was thinking about giving up up church leadership and wasn't sure, he was not in a great place, he didn't know that the organisers of this conference had been told that this guy's favourite chocolate were those little chocolate squares that you get at the curry house after the curry, you know, with your coffee and what the organisers of the conference had done had phoned up this guy's local curry house and said, is there any chance we could get some of those little square chocolates? They'd organized it all. So that when this guy arrived at the conference, God went into his bedroom. There on his pillow was one of these chocolates. That man said at the end of that week, that moment changed everything for him. Because then he realized with a tiny little act of kindness that this was far beyond just someone giving a chocolate. This showed him something of God's care for him. Dare I say it, for us here this morning, maybe just maybe in those moments where we do see a glimmer of light, maybe just maybe that remind us that God cares for you. But not only that, for all of us, we can show people God's care by tiny little actions. For the people right now who are helping in the children's groups, just helping them have fun and doing a good story and helping show something of God's love, they don't know, we don't know the lasting impact that may have for decades. For the people right now who are sat at the back twiddling knobs on PA desks so that we can hear. We don't know that little act that maybe, just maybe, that might see something of God's great care. What about for you? What opportunities might there be for you this week in your workplace to just through a very small act show something of God's care for your colleague? Maybe it is literally putting a bar of chocolate on their keyboard. What is it, a way that in people in your friendship group that you know are struggling, that you can simply just extend a little act of service to show them something that God is for them? And of course we see that ultimate reality in Jesus. You see as we turn to the New Testament we read these words in the book of Philippians. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. As we stoop down and serve other people, our colleagues, our family, our friends, we do exactly what Jesus did for us. And it may be that for some of us this morning, what we need to do is simply accept God's gift to us. And for others of us, maybe, just maybe, we need to extend that gift to those around us. So God's servant shows something of God's great care. But as I head to a close, there's something else here. Something else. You see, Ruth starts doing all this, cleaning in the evening. She threshed the barley she'd gathered and it amounted to an eat for that's 13, about 13 kilograms. That's a lot of grain. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she'd gathered. This provision that Boaz had gone was way, way over what would have been expected. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she'd left over after she'd eaten enough. Amazing. And so her mother, Naomi, says, what? Where'd you get this from? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And so Ruth then tells all about Boaz and then we see these words, verse 20. The Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he's not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. That phrase has a whole world in it. Basically in those days, the nearest relative, if a husband had died, would have to take responsibility for the whole family. Taking the, the daughters, and the, because of course, nobody else would have provided. And here we have this building, building, building story. As Boaz, this man who's provided way beyond with an act of sheer grace, we realize that his responsibility maybe is also to take the whole family under his wings. Serving God has a massive effect, a massive effect. I don't know if there's any scientists in here. I hope there isn't in one sense because I don't really understand what I'm about to say. But I hear that in chaos theory there's something called the butterfly effect. Anyone heard of the butterfly effect? I'm not gonna ask you to explain it. Anyone actually really properly understand it? Brilliant, right, those are the two you need to go to at the end. Uh, from what I understand, the butterfly effect is basically the theory that for example, a butterfly in China flapping its wings can actually, if all the circumstances in the world are right, have a dramatic impact elsewhere in the world. For example, causing earthquakes and stuff like that. Broadly, is that about right? Yeah, so it takes a long time from <laughs> cause to effect, but, that little flap of the wings does have a massive effect according to the butterfly effect. So too, and we hope it doesn't take three billion years, our service of God, our little serving of others does have a massive effect. Boaz simply extending grace to somebody who came and worked in his field has a dramatic effect as we'll see through the rest of the story. So parents, you do not know the effect of the prayers that you pray for your children. The prayers that you've prayed for a long, long time that nobody else has seen. You will not see those effects. You may not even see them in your lifetime because of generations behind you. For the people involved in stuff here at Riverside, serving very faithfully, week in, week out, you do not see the impact that that may have as somebody comes in to a room with lovely tea and coffee and they just want care. You will not see the effect of serving your colleague, just extending that kind word to them. It will and it does have a massive effect. So can I ask you as I close, what opportunities do you have this week to have that sort of impact? We may never see the effect We may not be able to see like we can in the story of Ruth, the overarching story, but we see that with a small act, we can show somebody something of God's great love. So should we pray together? What we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray And then we're gonna have a moment of quiet. And in that quiet, you may find it helpful to simply think of your week, the week that's ahead of you. And to think, what opportunities do I have this week to show something of God's care? And then to simply ask God to help you to do that. And then after that, I'm going to simply read a poem with the words on the screen. So let me pray and then we'll be still for a moment. Father, we thank you that you served us in Jesus, you gave up everything for us, Lord may we take hold of that and may we then serve others, we pray. So show us now in this stillness what opportunities we may have to do that this week, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's be still for a moment as we think about our own weeks. by reading this poem before we respond together as we worship. With a tremor of its wafer wing, they say a butterfly in Beijing can in time spin a tornado across the Kansas plain or hurl a tidal wave booming into Carolina's tranquil bays. So what then of a kiss for the dying, an embrace for the untouched? or a tenderness to the crushed? What of a whisper of grace, a word of love unfurled, or a door to truth flung wide? Will not these unwind the twisted heart and still the waves of endless wise? Is this not the fountain spray that soars through time and splashes eternity in our eyes? May we be servants this week. Responding in the light of God's service of us.